everyone. My name is Dr. Cindy Burnett. And my name is Dr. Matthew Wurwood. This is the Fueling Creativity in Education podcast. On this show, we'll be talking about creativity topics and how they apply to the field of education. We'll be speaking with scholars, educators, and resident experts about their work, challenges they face, and digging deeper into new and varying perspectives of creativity. All with the goal to help fuel a more rich and informed discussion that provides teachers and parents with knowledge they can use at home or in the classroom. So let's begin. Hello and welcome back to our 10th and final episode of our first ever Listen and Learn series of the Fueling Creativity in Education podcast. And if you've listened to every single episode, you will probably know that this is all about us sharing 10 actions that teachers can take to facilitate or enhance creativity in the classroom. And these 10 actions emerge from over 200 tips that Matt and I have gathered during our podcast interviews with creativity practitioners, researchers, and wonderful educators. During each episode of our Listen and Learn series, we've been sharing one action and encourage you to generate a one or two sentence summary of how you can apply that action in your classroom for the upcoming school year. To help you with this task, we've created a Google spreadsheet that lists the action, includes some key takeaways from us, and a space for you to include your one or two sentence summary. And the link to this spreadsheet is included in each episode's description. Additionally, if you want to join in an online discussion, check out the creativethinkingnetwork.com to join me in debriefing each of these tips. So our 10th and final action, but I want to highlight that we have not created any particular order for these actions, but our 10th action is teach failure. And our first interview clip comes from our discussion with Wendy Ross, who spoke to us about serendipity. Okay, so obviously you probably, the first one would be comfort with failure. So comfort with failure and comfort with discomfort. Generating interesting environments where there are many different moments of inspiration. So when those pathways feel depleted, you could increase more pathways. Oh, Matt, I think this one for me is the most challenging. How about you? It it is. And I, you know, from all the chat I've given over the last few years about failure, I've really, I've realized that I don't like to fail and I get agitated about failing. And I actually realize, unfortunately, that I think sometimes I even avoid situations where I think that I'm going to fail. And it's, it's sad for me because you, you preach it. But I think what's really important is the fact that it shows how tough this really is. Yes, it is really tough. And I, I struggle with it myself. And I also remind myself that to live in a creative life is really to fail. And if you don't fail, then you're really not taking big enough risks. But at the same time, it's so uncomfortable. And how do you get comfortable with the discomfort? And how do you teach your students to feel comfortable with the discomfort? And I'm glad you brought that up because that was, I think, the the highlight of that clip was this idea of becoming comfortable with discomfort. And I remember in season one, we interviewed Ron Baghetto for the first time. And I, I've referenced this before in previous episodes, you know, this idea that learning is sometimes about being uncomfortable. And I, I've, it's one of the, it's, I would say it's, it is definitely one of the top 10 things over the last few years that I've taken away from our podcast 
is this idea that actually when my students are uncomfortable, it isn't necessarily a bad thing. But likewise, I've also got to recognize that when I'm uncomfortable in a situation, I've got to learn to be comfortable in those situations. And it, and, and a lot of our tips about being open, being, you know, having flexibility, all of it is going to create this discomfort and possibly lead to incidences of failure. And if we're not really having those powerful feelings, perhaps those failures aren't true failures. They might be mistakes as we've covered in in previous episodes. But those big, big failures where things have crashed and burned and you feel like your set surveys are going to be a disaster or you feel like all your students are going to kind of fail on the exam because you haven't taught something, they're really hard to get over. And I I don't know if I've got a, a solution. The only thing I think we can do, Cindy, and I think you referenced it, is to keep taking risks. And when we fail, because we're taking those risks, take a big breath, embrace that discomfort and get comfortable with having that discomfort and know that it will pass and it will probably pass because of your creativity. Mm, I love that, Matt. And I think another piece is give it time. Give it time to breathe and have space and don't try to rush to, well, I need to be, you know, feeling better again, or I need to get over this, or like, sometimes you just need that space to just let it breathe and give it time. And it's interesting because it's really come into play with me as a parent. And I know all of these conversations that we've been having with creativity scholars like Wendy Ross and Ron Baghetto about failure has really come into my parenting. And my daughter, I'll tell you, Matt, that she has been working on her back handspring for over a year. And every week she goes and has private tutoring to work on this back handspring. And there were many, and she always needed to have someone's hand on her back. And she could do it beautifully, but she needed that support. And she got into my car at one point and she was um, crying and she was just like, I can't, I don't know what it is. I just can't do it. I feel like, you know, I'm failing at this. So I, I really thought about all these conversations we had and I said, I just need to give it time. So I just said to her, this is up to you. You know, it's okay to feel like garbage because you've been working on this for so long and it's just not happening for you. But, you know, you decide whether or not you want to continue or if you want to stop doing it because you don't have to keep coming back every week and trying. But she said, no, I want to keep trying. But giving her that space and allowing her to breathe through it and, and sort of focus on it was really helpful. And I only learned that because of the podcast. And I will tell you that just yesterday, she did her first back handspring unassisted after over a year of trying. And I said, you know what? If there's anything that I learned from this, it's that being tenacious and really working through things, even when they get really challenging. And I mean, this was just a back handspring. It's not a big deal. But when you're 13 and it is a big deal for you, you know, being able to work through something like that, that's going to set her up for working through challenges later on. And I've got that example to go back to. You kept working and working and working and one day it just happened. That That's a great idea. And I do want to piggyback on one thing. It It is a big deal to her, as you said. And, you know, we, we need to recognize as educators that something that we may feel is not a big deal is actually a big deal. And likewise, what we think is a really big deal might not actually be a big deal to other people. So again, it's all about how we perceive events in our environment. But the idea of giving time, I think we get ourselves into so much trouble sometimes because, and it's usually because we don't have enough knowledge and experience. We're doing something for the first time, but we suddenly kind of like, you know, envision a timeline of how long it takes. And in in the concerns-based adoption model, for those of you who are familiar with it by Hall and Horde, they, they, constantly reference the idea that change is a process 
it's not an event. And I think it's the same with any type of creative process that we engage in. It is a process. It's not an event. And trying to work out how long you think that process is going to take, especially when you've never done it before, probably is one of the things that can get us into trouble. All right, Matt, why don't we listen to our second clip by Ron Baghetto. But I would say something else we talk about is stay away from, you know, sl- empty slogans and platitudes. Like, you know, these cat posters of hang in there, you know, with, <laughs> or, you know, teachers saying have grit or even, you know, even good concepts like, you know, growth mindset. Sometimes that doesn't talk about the emotional pain and difficulty that somebody's really experiencing when they are failing, even, and, you know, especially if we're minimizing it by saying something like that. It doesn't really speak to that. You know, Cindy, I think what's really important to, to highlight in this clip is that this this came from an episode where it was around my favorite failure with Lisa McBain and Ron Baghetto, and they had their new book come out. And the episode was all about the emotions associated with kind of really big failures that have an impact on other people. And as we just discussed in response to our first um, clip, there's a lot of emotion associated with incidences of failure. And I think what's important is that we recognize from from what Ron Baghetto is sharing here, simply saying, oh, it's just part of the process, which I've done before. You know, I, in fact, I do regularly. Oh, you've got to trust the process. And yeah, I suppose in that moment, it is a bit of an empty slogan because we're not in that a moment addressing the powerful feelings that those students are feeling in response to what they've just experienced. And it also brings me back to our conversation in in last week's tip around modeling behavior, because I talk to my students and my children a lot about my own failures. So, you know, not trying to sugarcoat anything, you know, big when, when you're dealing with your own failures, but, you know, like, yeah, I taught a bad class today, or I had a really rough workshop and someone called me out on my creative workshops, not being creative. And, and that really sucked. And it, it felt awful. And what am I going to do to make sure that doesn't happen in the future? You know, and really talking through my own failures with those that are around me, whether they be students or my children. We now don't have enough time on this episode for me to want to talk about all the things that you've just discussed. But yeah, I mean, it goes back to to the vulnerability piece in the previous episode. But you suddenly made me realize, I think that might be why I don't like posting as much on social media. You and I talk about this a lot, but it's very vulnerable when you go and share something about your work on social media. And it, it's something that you know, I, I really have a problem doing. Um, but you, you just reminded me, I, I'm not telling anyone much about it, but I did a, a, a TEDx talk about, you know, about 10, 12, 13, I'm smiling, I'm giggling because, you know, it was probably a little bit early for me to, to do something like that. But I, I remember one of the comments on, on um, the YouTube video and it said, the irony of this presentation is it's not very creative. And I have to say, I look back on it now and I'm like, yeah, it, it wasn't very creative. I, I would argue the fact that I think what I was presenting was actually, um, you know, very specific to creativity. I was trying to promote the idea of, of teach, using technology, a particular platform to, to promote a creative thinking skill and the success that we've had about it. But I remember that comment really upset me. It was the first time that I'd kind of really had a, and, and I don't even think the person was being kind of like, um, you know, uh, sinister or unkind about it. They were just sharing their opinion. Um, but I realized how social media, when you post on social media, it can make you so vulnerable. Um, and I and I think that we as educators, when it comes to sharing all of our, our great ideas, 
um, you know, in a, in a professional environment or just sharing anything about ourselves in a professional setting. Um, we are making ourselves vulnerable. Um, and I think we've probably drifted a little bit away from, from failure right now, but I think that there is a very close relationship when it comes to addressing the feelings of failure. And I think when it comes to our action, we are talking about teach failure and, and teaching failure for me, for our audience to think about is really about addressing the emotional struggles associated with, with those feelings of failure. And I want to address a tip that I just read, which was, when someone is struggling and they come to you, ask them, do you want to be heard? Which means, do you want me to just listen? Do you want to be helped? Which means, do you want me to help you problem solve? Or do you want a hug? Which just means I want some compassion. And I think this is a great way to frame it. Help, heard, and hug. And uh, you know, you might not want to use hug with your students. You might want to say hand, meaning like you just need some someone to just be there for you is a good way to, to start. Well, Matt, it's been amazing to do this Listen and Learn series with you this summer. And it's been a treat to just have these discussions and debrief and reflect on some of the key tips that our practitioners and researchers and educators have shared with us. I totally agree. I mean, I, I, I said to you before we started that I think this is, I've enjoyed this the most. In the, in the last two years and three months of producing this podcast, these episodes have been the best. And I think what I've really enjoyed as well is is identifying these clips from all of our past six seasons and revisiting these clips, but revisiting them in the context of these kind of actions that we've identified. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, Cindy, I think there's opportunities for us to kind of continue to refine these as we work to this toward this book that we want to release sometime next year. But I think that by having this back and forth with you, we have got better at refining some of these actions. Um, and there's probably some spillover between them. But I, what I love about these actions the most, Cindy, is I really think they're very, dare I say it, I feel personally that they're somewhat simple actions that we can integrate into our current practice as teachers and educators. And they're not necessarily add-ons or requiring us to go and spend hours developing a new skill or increasing our knowledge of a particular area in our domain. So before we go, we want to remind our listeners engaged in our Listen and Learn series that we're raffling away various prizes. We're at the end here. First, you will need to listen out to the end of each episode for a single letter, which will help you identify a code word. And once you have this code word, you might even have it already. Email us at questions at fuelingcreativitypodcast.com along with a one or two sentence summary of how you plan to implement one of these 10 actions. And then you get to choose a prize. And Matt, we talked about a really fun prize for several of our winners. Yeah, you did. Well, to be fair, you did. You came up with this awesome idea. And I think it's only fair that you share what I think is just a super duper exciting opportunity for those that listen to our podcast. So the idea I shared with Matt is that three of our winners will come onto the show to do a debrief episode with us on how they've implemented the Listen and Learn series. So if you have this special code word, send it to us and let us know if you'd like to be on our, a guest on our podcast. And I do want to stress a little bit, you know, what I would say is 
talking about some of the, the topics that we've covered, the idea of being vulnerable, the importance of kind of sharing, the importance of developing relationships to teachers and, and, and educators out there listening to our podcast, we, we really want to kind of like interact with you more. We would love for these three folks to come onto the, the podcast. Let's have a discussion. Let's have a great discussion. Let's develop a relationship. Let's share a whole bunch of ideas. And in order for us to kind of be successful in the mission that we're trying to achieve through things like the Listen and Learn series, we really want to... Um, have people like yourselves coming on and joining us on this exciting journey. So thanks so much for joining us. And before we go, we're going to give you the final letter, which is I for insect idea inquiry innovation ignite. Ooh, let's end on that. My name is Dr. Cindy Burnett. My name is Dr. Matthew Werwood.